What's up, rich friends? Welcome back to another episode of Net Worth and Chill with me, your host, Vivian Tu, aka Your Rich BFF and your favorite Wall Street girly. And today we're going to talk about one of the hottest topics, housing. Whether it's complaining about your rent going up or dividing and conquering open houses on the weekends with your boo or researching what a kitchen renovation might run you, it's pretty clear we love to talk about where we live. Of course, right? Back in our parents' generation, buying a home was the surefire way to build wealth and carve out a little piece of this earth just for you and yours. But is buying a home right for everyone? What about building one from scratch so it's exactly what you want? And why does renting get such a bad rap? Well, today we're going to figure all of this out and there's nobody better to help guide us than power broker, best-selling author, and star of Bravo's Million Dollar Listing New York and sell it like Sirhant. Everyone, please welcome Ryan Sirhant. Thanks. Ryan, thank you so much for chatting with me. Of course. I'm super excited to talk a little bit about hot tips on finding your own Barbie dream house. But before we get into that, I want to go really way back. Talk to me about your childhood. How did you grow up? Uh, was your family super rich? Did you guys talk about money? Uh, I, I was born in Texas. Okay. I grew up, we bounced around a lot. My, my whole family worked in finance. Um, I was definitely the one that shied away from that. My, Why? My brothers. It just wasn't for me. It wasn't my, I wasn't excited about it. You know, my, I, I found just more things interesting than- okay. Than Excel sheets. Sick. And okay, so, love that. Yeah. And so uh, we bounced around a lot. I grew up outside Boston. went to high school outside Boston. Nice. My dad worked in the city. And then I went to college in upstate New York. And then I came to New York in 2006 when I graduated. I grew up nicely. You know, I, I, you know, we didn't talk about money a lot, though, other than save all of it forever. Right. Yeah, yeah, Never yeah. spend it. <laughs> you know, that was, I mean, one thing was, you know, save your money for college. Mm-hmm. That was like the bedtime story that we were told every yeah. day. But I Definitely, definitely had a clean understanding of the value of a dollar growing up. Like we all had to work. Yeah. You know, I, I, my parents never talked about money at the dinner table. Like I had no idea what my dad made. I had no idea how much money family had. Like I, I to this day, I actually don't know. Really? No. Even I, now? I, even now. Like I, I guess I have some sort of idea, but I really have no idea. Right. Um, they, they're very, very private, my parents. They're very private, you know, kind of typical conservative, uh, but they- put us to work. Like I, mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, I was, you know, being paid per stick that I would pick up in the yard. Okay. You know, I, they What helped. was the first real job you had? The first real job I had? I mean, I, you know, my summers were working in construction. Okay. I worked for Testa Building and Remodeling in Andover and North Andover, Massachusetts. And were you like physically doing- I was a laborer. Labor? Yeah, oh, I was a okay. contractor's laborer. Wow. So demolition, roofing, 80 pound bags of shingles on my shoulders, all of that stuff really made me work hard in school. Yeah. <laughs> It's so hard. You're like, I'm never doing this again. No, so but you like you really when you get that paycheck from doing manual labor, you you remember every dollar. Yeah. Because you count those minutes, right? Yeah. When it when it hurts. But my parents really, you know, they made it a thing for me where there was no allowance. Like we never had an allowance. An allowance yeah. to my parents. You got allowed to live in the house. Exactly. There's no allowance. And I, I won't have an allowance with with my kids either. But they said, whatever you want, you can have if you buy it yourself. So like I have a core memory of then I guess I was, you know, getting into junior high school and really liking TV and movies and wanting to make my own yeah. and wanting my own video camera. And they were like, great. Like a mean girl's mom. Yeah, 100%. Order. They're like, okay. go buy one. So it's like, 
okay, great. What do I do? So I started a, uh, a wood splitting company where we would cut wood and we would sell off the cords of lumber between my little brother and I. It was a total disaster. It was the okay. hardest thing ever. I never should have started that business. It lasted for like a week, but I was able to find other ways to like, you know, we were like shoveling people's yards mm -hmm. for 20 bucks, you know, in their driveways. We were coming up with different ways to make money. And I was trying to get as creative as possible as a little kid. And that has definitely influenced me to this day. Okay. I love that so, so much. And you talk about working in construction. Yeah. Did that instantaneously lead you to no. want to work in real estate? No, absolutely not. The <laughs> opposite. It made me want to, you know, do Broadway. It made me wanted to do really, really well in school. Like I went, you know, I went to school and I would double majored in English and, and theater. Oh, theater. Oh theater my God. was the you one were thing. You a theater kid? 100%. Yeah. Oh, my okay. entire, I have three sisters and two brothers. They were all kind of finance. Okay. Um, and they're all athletes. Okay. And I was the theater kid. Yeah. And so I did a lot of theater growing up. I went to theater camp in the summers. Like that was my thing. I was oh, allowed wow. to do it as long as I also spent time in the summers working. So I would go from like working the ranch once my parents moved to Colorado. I'd work the ranch for a month and then I got to do theater camp for a month. Oh and gosh. that was like the trade that I would have. Like I could do theater in college as long as I had a real major like English. And I went to a writing Was intensive college. Was English the real major? Yeah. I went, I went to Hamilton, which okay. is a, a oh, writing yeah, yeah. intensive school. Like even math, even theater was writing intensive. Yeah. Um, maybe that's why this is book number three for me because right. now it's just it's just something that I can do. Yeah. So theater was always my thing. And then I came to New York City. I promptly ran out of money. And the theater <laughs> thing does not pay whatsoever. No. And you've got to give it like 10 years. And I didn't have 10 years. And so in order to stay in New York City, a friend said, listen, don't wait tables. Don't bartend. Don't be a temp. You'll do that until you're 40 because right. you're going to get comfortable. Yeah. And then you'll have an apartment and then you got to pay rent and then you will always take that shift and then you'll be a waiter forever and then eventually you'll quit and move out. So get your real estate license. Yeah. You can rent one apartment a month and that'll pay all your bills. You have 29 to 30 days left in the month to do whatever you want. That okay. was that was the dream that was sold yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is 100% a lie, but that is the dream <laughs> that was sold to me. And that's how I got into it. Why is that a lie though? Because that's like telling somebody, hey, gambling's awesome. Just go to the casino once, put all your money on red. You're going to win, then leave. You get to do whatever you want yeah, with the rest yeah, of your yeah. year. It's not how it works, no. right? You lose most of the time. So yeah, if you rent one apartment a month in one day, you can do that. But you got to meet like 100 people first. To rent one you apartment. find them. Yeah. You got to hunt them down. You got to be posting ads every day. You got to show people homes and then they change their mind and then they lose their job. And then their dad wants to use a different agent. And then you don't know New York because you're not from here, are you, Ryan? And you just got us lost in the West Village <laughs> because your MapQuest directions that you printed out and you're holding in your pocket, we oh can see God. that. And you're the worst real estate broker in the history of the world. And I'm like, wait, Quest. wait, hold on. My palm trio is freezing in the rain. I can't get the thingy. <laughs> the stylus is not hitting the plastic the right way. And I was lost. I know I'm not from here. And so, you know, so it took a while. Like yeah. I made $9,100 my first year in the real estate business. Oh, 9,100, not 91,000. 9,100. So yeah, $9,000, 9, yeah, basically. I think it was like $9,188 my first year. How, how did you make ends meet doing that? I had construction money saved up from okay. summers previously. My grandfather died and left me $20,000 that I put into a CD, two CDs actually, because okay. I needed that 10 grand, which I did. Um, so two 
$10,000 CDs and I did odd jobs. Like I hand modeled for 150 bucks an hour. I, I got into a soap opera and they paid nice. me $844 an episode, which after tax was like 500 bucks. And I was like, what's Fika? This is so what's stupid. Fika? What are these taxes? Why are you taking my money from me? It's such bullshit. You know, I, I, I did other like little small odds and ends jobs. Like I wanted to work out. I wanted a gym, but I couldn't afford gym fees in New York City. So I walked in there to Equinox on 63rd and Lexington. I'm like, I'll do a work trade program. How can I work out for free? And they're like, do you want to pass out flyers at the subway? And I was like, can I work out for free? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, then I'll do that. Okay. I would pass out flyers every day at the 63rd Street F station. I would pass out flyers. So I was like, free initiation. Come work at Equinox. As long as I worked out during off-peak hours, which given the fact that I was trying to be an actor and a part-time real estate matter. agent, it didn't really matter. I could do it. You were going at two in the afternoon. Exactly. Or like nine to 10 p.m. Oh. You know, I go at night. And so um, so I'd make money in weird, weird ways. And then slowly but surely, the real estate thing, I, I did one rental deal and I kind of got hooked. Like you kind of get addicted to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you get it. And I'm like, wait a minute. I just did a $1,000 a month rental deal. My commission was $1,000. Okay. My deal with the brokerage company was 50-50. So I just made 500 bucks. Okay. What if I did that tomorrow? I nice. can make 500 bucks tomorrow. What if I did that then? <gasps> what if I made $500 every day? Uh-huh. I would be so rich. rich. Yeah. You know, and that's that first thing where you're like, wait a minute, what if I'm not nervous about paying rent? What would that ever feel like? Was that the moment? So like, obviously being in sales of any sort, yeah, you're kind of eating what you kill. Always. And being in a commission-based job, like, were you ever scared that you weren't going to get paid because you know you close that one apartment you're like sick five hundred dollars but like you're only as good as your last deal you know i tell salespeople that all the time you know you i mean agents are like well i just sold this i'm like when did you just sell that they're like two years ago (laughs) like right the word just has a weird definition in sales And so you're only as good as your last deal, right? You're always hunting. The number one job of any salesperson is to generate more business. Yeah. You're handling the business you currently have, and then you're generating new business every single day. That is your that is your job. That's why you know I, I do all the things that I do to generate new business in some way, shape, or form. What would you say is like the number one? And I know that there's no real good answer to this, but like, what's the secret sauce to sell anything? Follow up. Sell it like Sir Hand. Yeah, yeah. Sell it like Sir Hand. Um, um, uh, yeah, you could take our courses. Uh, <laughs> I'd say the number, uh, honestly, the secret sauce is follow up, follow through, follow back. It's oh. what we call the three F's, right? You're following up with absolutely everybody till they buy or die. And then when they do die, you go to their funeral and you grieve and you meet everybody at the funeral. Then you follow through on everything you say you're going to do. Okay. If you say, I'm going to send you listings by 5 p.m., you send them by 4.59. Yeah. you got to be a person that people know, ah, they're a person of their word. Yeah. And then you follow back with everybody forever. I, if you have a good follow-up system, you can sell anything to anybody, as long as you have some sort of personality and you know your product. If you don't know your product, then there's always the internet and someone's just going to buy it online. Right. But if you know your product... If you know how to meet people, if you know how, if you know the two C's of creating any relationship, so you immediately give someone a compliment and then you find something in common and you just listen, people like hearing themselves talk, like Mm -hmm. babies cry because they like hearing the sound of their own voice. It lets them know they're alive and they're out of the womb. Adults do the same thing. Mm -hmm. You let them talk, they hear the sound of their voice, it calms them down and they start to trust you because you're listening and you give them eye contact. So... All of that combined, add a strong follow-up program, and you can be an incredible salesperson. I love that. I have a question. 
You know that feeling when you get cornered by that aunt at a family gathering and you feel like you sort of have to bend the truth? You know, the one who asks things like, when are you getting married? Or what's going on with that promotion? Or why haven't you moved out of your mom and dad's basement yet? Only for her to not really listen to you and just kind of judge you. Yeah, well, you may have to grin and bear it with your family, but you shouldn't feel that way when talking to your doctor about that rash that looks like a weird shape or the fact that you may eat pizza one too many times a week or anything else that's concerning to you. Enter ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable and actually listen to you. And we're not talking about a few. We're talking about tens of thousands of doctors, all with verified patient reviews so you can make sure the vibes are vibing before you ever meet IRL. With ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately, no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist, and all of these doctors have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for doctors who take your insurance or located near you and treat basically any condition you're searching for. Personally, I use ZocDoc to help me find an OBGYN that I liked. I mean, come on, she's getting up really close and personal with me and a dentist that is close to my apartment so that it's really easy to go every six months so I never miss a cleaning. I use ZocDoc and you should too. Go to ZocDoc.com richbff and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash richbff. ZocDoc.com slash richbff. And so you start your real estate career, you're making $9,100, you're boop, 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 yep. making more and more and more. Yep. But I will say a huge, like, I would say rocket launch, rocket fuel moment for you was getting one of the main spots on million dollar listing. Yep. How does one of thousands and thousands yep. of real estate brokers in the city, you know, pitch a network and say, hey, pick me, I'm special? Well. I didn't really have to, I didn't pitch a network. Um, uh, I do that stuff now. At the time, remember, this is pre-streaming. This is Netflix yeah, yeah, is yeah. a DVD company. Okay? Oh my God, okay. So this is 2010. I'd been in real estate for- I was in high school. Yeah, a little over a year. Yeah. Okay. And I came to New York City to do theater. I wanted to be an actor. And then I couldn't make money. And so I got into real estate to pay the bills, basically. Yeah. And so that's where I found my life. And I was actually selling things, though. Like, I actually, I liked I liked making money, you know? Yeah. I went from $9,100 a year to, like, $53,000 a year. And then I cracked six figures my third year. So, like, I liked increasing the quality of my life. I liked having my own bathroom in my own apartment. <laughs> Even if it was a tiny studio that faced a brick wall, like, it was mine that I rented. Yeah. Like, I did it with my own money. Like, yeah. no help. And so, and I got my first bill building to sell. And I was selling those units. And then there was an open casting call for the New York franchise of a show called Million Dollar Listing on Bravo that later became Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles, but mm -hmm. at the time was just Million Dollar Listing. And there was an open casting call at the Hudson Hotel in Times Square. And so I just went because I was like, eh, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. I don't know. I, I know how to go on camera. I was on a soap opera. You know, I knew how to be on stage. I knew how to perform. I knew how to audition because I'd done it my whole life. And I went and 3,000 real estate agents showed up. Oh, my God. And it was insane. Were you stressed about the competition? I, you know what? I was, it was so, it was like the chances, it was like playing the lottery. Right. Like, I'm not stressed. Like, I don't play the lottery. But if I yeah. did go and play the Powerball, like, is that what it's called? It's Powerball? Yeah, yeah. If I did go and play Powerball, 
like I wouldn't be stressed because the chance right. the chance like, that I win is so unlikely. It's just not happening. So that's that's how I felt. Yeah, I was like, hey, first of all, I'm barely in the business. I've barely sold anything. I know how to pitch myself, and so mm-hmm. that's what I did. When I, you know, my my saving grace was when I sat down in front of that camera for those thirty seconds because that's all they gave you that first time. Like I knew how to work the camera. Yeah, and I think a lot of other people who probably would have been way better than me, like they had so many more sales than I did. They were true power brokers, and I was just an imitation of one. Yeah, I just think they sat in front. They just didn't prepare for what the actual job at hand was, which was sell yourself on camera Camera. as the power broker that Bravo is going to follow around. Don't just be one, right? Be one for these people. Yeah. And I knew how to do that. Mm, Had that stage presence. Yeah. You have to have, like you and I just talked about in our last podcast 45 minutes ago. (laughs) um, You had to have, you have to have the sauce. Yeah. Like you got to have that secret sauce. You've got to have that thing that makes you pop. Like how are you going to be memorable. Yeah. For example, I started going gray when I was 16. What? Yeah. I started going gray when I was 16. And when you're 16 and you start going gray, it's weird. And so I was like that kid in the pharmacy looking you at own like it, by the just way, though. for men now. Oh, okay. But when I was a teenager, when I was in college, I mean, I, dude, I dyed my hair for years, years. Mm. When I graduated, I came to New York City. You, you don't like go and audition as for old people, like yeah. old people do those roles. You you have to look your part, like yeah. look your age. I'm like, well, I have to have dark hair. Like if yeah. you look at any, if you can YouTube Ryan Serhant as the world turns and I have like the darkest brown hair ever because it was just all fake, dyed. Yeah. And then when I got into real estate, I like, I just didn't want to dye my hair anymore. Yeah. And so I just let my natural hair grow out. And so I was 24 with gray hair. And so people were so confused because I had like a really young face, but I had like old man hair and it, People were like, so how long have you been doing this? And you're like, like two, two, two I, decades. No, no, I would, no, no, I would, I would never lie. I would just say, a while, a long time. Yeah. I'd look at my watch and be like, it's been two hours. <laughs> <laughs> a long time, a long time. And then they would immediately trust me because I have a weathered hair, but I look like I take care of myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so people would ask me like my skincare regimen and yeah. how do you look so young for your age? And I'm like, you think I'm so old, don't you? Yeah. And then, so for like the show, for Million Dollar Listing, I didn't dye my hair. I went in there, I did my thing, and they it was something that was my biggest weakness in my brain that I turned into my biggest strength. And I've just owned it ever since, you know? I look at people with like luscious dark locks and I'm like, <laughs> man, imagine if I could like go like this and just like, like my brother-in-law, his name is Stratos, he's Greek. He has long, dark, like Pantene Pro-V commercial. Like Fabio. Yeah, yeah, He's like hair like yours, yeah. but even thicker. And he like takes it off and goes like this and it's just like this Greek lion. Yeah. And I do look at that and I get envious because I have a gray helmet and- um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, you gotta just own it. Yeah, work with what work, work with what you have. Exactly, exactly. And so I use that as like a, a calling card, and it was it was memorable. And then they whittled it down to like five hundred, and we had to do a written application, and five hundred to like seventy, I think. And then it was a Skype, and then they brought it down to sixteen of us. Mm. And then they spent half a day with sixteen of us, um, different camera crews running around New York City, and they said, "Just show me a day." And at that point, I was like, "I've made it this far. I'm getting on yeah. the show. I don't even know what the show is." Yeah. I, it might be the worst thing ever for me because reality TV at that time was like Survivor, Trash, The Kardashians, Dog the Bounty Hunter. Dog the Bounty Hunter. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. so everyone in New York was like, this will ruin your career. But I was like, dude, I'm 25 years old. Like, I don't I don't really have a career. Yeah. And if I can worst make this case, work, yeah. if this doesn't work, I'll start dyeing my hair again and people won't even know it's me. Yeah. I think the initial, yeah, I think it was like 1500 bucks an episode when we first got cast. Yeah. I was like, 
okay, you know, and then the next year it was like $3,000 an episode, you know, and we would renegotiate every year, even though you weren't supposed to, we would always like, we would always try to renegotiate. But the the real payment from Bravo and doing Million Dollar Listing was we don't take a percentage of your real estate earnings and you make this show happen. So, and you get free marketing. I mean, it is marketing that I never, ever, even to this day, could never afford. Yeah. Right. I mean, that I had no idea when, when I signed up for it, but it ended up, I mean, it played to 25 million people a week, yeah. right? In its prime, Million Dollar Listing was in 160 countries. Yeah. And anywhere I would go, people would look at me, they'd recognize my hair. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, real estate guy. Yeah. would be like, are you looking to buy, rent, or sell? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's go. It's the whole reason I did that whole thing yeah. for 12 years. Before we dive into our next section, I gotta say, there's no shortage of helpful AI tools out there, but using them means switching back and forth between yet another digital tool. So I've got my 8,000 tabs open and instead of simplifying my workflow, suddenly it just becomes more complicated. Unless of course you're in Notion. Notion combines your notes, docs, and projects into one space that's simple and beautifully designed. And you can leverage the power of AI right inside of Notion across all of your notes and docs without jumping between your work and a separate AI powered tool. Notion is the perfect place to connect teams, tools, and knowledge so you're empowered to do your most meaningful work. And the fully integrated Notion AI helps you work faster, write better, and think bigger doing tasks that normally take you hours in just seconds. Personally, I'll let Notion AI handle the first draft, jump a brainstorm, or turn our messy notes into something a little bit more polished. And you can even automate tedious tasks like summarizing meeting notes or finding next steps. Notion AI does all this and more and frees me up to do the deep work, like taking a second pass and polishing something up or creating more content. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash rich BFF. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash rich BFF to try the powerful, easy to use Notion AI. AI today. When you use our link, you're supporting our show. Notion.com slash rich BFF. Okay. So we talk about the pros of like you getting basically free marketing that you could not afford. Yeah. What is the worst thing that happened on the show, came out of the show? What's one thing that you didn't really enjoy? Um, you know, having people know who you are um, is a blessing and a curse, mm-hmm. right? Like I think I have kind of like the perfect level of, of public awareness. Yeah, yeah, yeah for my business, because it allows mm-hmm. me to do everything that we do. Mm-hmm. It allows me to have a calling card and that special little secret thing that just other people don't, because I can put a listing in front of more eyeballs than anyone else combined. Right. So if you're gonna pay a commission. You might as well pay someone as who well can pay reach. to the person everybody knows. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, that means anything you ever do that's a mistake mm-hmm. or that's negative um, is also incredibly yeah. public. Yeah. And you're you know, there are those times when I'm like, if no one knew who I was, like yeah. no one would know Ryan about Ryan Serhant stuff. picks nose on Subway. Like it, yeah. Yeah, I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like anything, anything I do or anything I get named in or guilt by association, yeah. like all that stuff. I will say though, you know, I I didn't I was not fully prepared for public reaction after that first season. Yeah. Like I don't think I knew how many people were gonna watch it or whatnot. And I remember getting off the subway. So this is like 2012, the show had just come out. And like this girl bumps into me and looks at me and she's like, you're that guy from that show. And I was like all excited. And she's like, you're the asshole. And I was like, uh, oh, uh, Emma. Oh, what? sorry. I didn't know what to do. I like, yeah. I like froze. It's like, wait, do I look like an asshole? And I like called my mom. I'm like, because it's not like Netflix, right? These yeah, yeah, yeah. episodes don't binge out in one no. day. It's like slowly but surely for four months, right? An episode a week, old school. And my mom was like, well, honey, you're so nice in real life. I'm like, well, 
Wait, what, what does that mean, mom? I know. And she was like, you know, the things you think are funny aren't always funny to other people. And I remember that conversation. And um, so Ryan Serhant's season one of Million Dollar Listing was a Ryan that was, I had cameras in my face for one year. Yeah. And they filmed that whole first season with four of us. Right. And the producers said, only three of you are going to make the final show. So best of luck. <gasps> and I think I lost like 20 pounds from the stress. Like I, I just- It was like Hunger Games. Yeah, 100%. And I was going up against, there was three other agents on the show who all worked at the same firm, who were all rich, who all had connections. They all knew celebrities. And then I was like little Ryan at a firm no one had ever heard of, like trying to do deals in the financial district, running around doing my rentals. I'm like, I'm totally getting cut. So I was stressed out in any situation they put me in. I think I was just like, you know, like yeah. if you're, you know, try to put a camera in front of your face for a year and every day they tell you you're about to be fired. Yeah. Like, how do you act? And then condense that into 44 minute episodes. And it's, and it's they a lot. only show you. Yeah, at they your only worst. show the intense moments. Yes. Yeah, they don't show me like eating a bagel at my desk. They don't show me like calling my grandma. No, they show that moment where like I was having a bad day and they show that in the trailer over and yeah. over and over. So you when know, it's just you, like a series of long yeah, beeps. You learn about yourself a lot once you watch a year of your life on international television. Yeah. Mm. And knowing that that is such a cool moment to see all of these high net worth individuals buy these luxury properties. Yeah. But, you know, baby Ryan, first season Ryan, was doing regular listings. Yeah. I want to ask, for everybody listening who is a regular person who's not yeah. buying $80 million penthouse apartments, yeah. what is your opinion of the current housing market? I know this is like kind of a spicy question. No, I think it's really, really, really hard. Yeah. I think it's tough because we are in a market right now and we'll see where we are in January when this comes right. out. Yeah. You know, we are in a market that I've never experienced. And everyone I know in this business has never experienced. Explain we've, that to me. We've never been at a time when pricing has never been higher. Yeah. Interest rates have not yeah. been this high in 25 years. Affordability is at a 45-year low. And rents are also at all-time highs. Now, when I first got into the business, my first day in the real estate business was the day Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy. So oh, good timing. the market Wonderful. crashed. Yeah. And it was at the bottom for a couple years, yeah. really. But when the sales market was down, the rental market was up. Yeah. Because people were too nervous to buy, so they would go into rent. Yeah. And so rents go up. Yeah. Right? When rents go too high, people say, screw it, I'm not paying rent, I'm going to go buy. And that brings the sales market back up. And it's always this seesaw, except for now. <laughs> Pricing is so high, interest rates are so high, people can't afford to buy, regular people. And so they're like, I just have to rent. I, I don't have a choice. Yeah. I have to stay with roommates. I have to stay home. Yeah. Right. So that's keeping rents incredibly, incredibly high. And so those rents don't go down because then th those people are saying, well, I don't want to pay rent anymore. I, wanna, I don't want to pay someone else's mortgage. I want to go pay my own mortgage. I want to start building credit. I want to build equity in my own life. But I don't want to have to go buy a teardown for a million dollars. Right. And so, you know, it, it's the way the process goes. Everything eventually evens out. It always does. But it's definitely a, a tough time at the moment. Mm -hmm. But all I'll say is this. The sales market is not nearly as high today as it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Like the peaks of 2020 and 2021, mm -hmm. though we were doing deals there that I'll never do again. Like yeah. I'll, I'll never, I'll never experience that again. At least I don't think so. And so you have negotiability now in a way that you haven't had before. There are ways to creatively finance. There's ways to buy down points on your loan. Mm -hmm. There's ways to get seller financing where a seller could hold paper because 
4% for them is better for you than 7.5% to the bank. You know, there's ways to actually make a deal work right now and then refinance when rates go lower. Yeah. You know, I'd rather get a better purchase price with a higher rate yeah. than a much higher purchase price with a low rate because that's what everyone did in the last you can't, boom. You can't and now, fix that. Now you're underwater. Yeah. Right. But like, oh no, but I have a two and a half percent rate. I'm like, yeah, but you paid two million dollars for a one point two million dollar house. Mm. How does that two and a half percent rate help you now? Yeah. It doesn't. I'd rather have a high rate and have paid nine hundred grand for a one point two million dollar house and watch those prices go up and up and up and up and up. So I understand the monthly nut can be painful, but if you're budgeted, if you don't try to buy over your skis, so many people want to just purchase more than they can afford. They want the bigger house, yeah. right? Buy something that works for you for at least the next couple of years and then consistently work on an upgrade process. But, you know, as I look back over the course of my real estate career over the last 15 years, other than 2020, 2021, I've never been in a day and time where we've said, wow, the market is really good right now or the market's really bad. It's only good or bad in hindsight. Mm. So, you know, June of 2024, November 1st of 2024, six days before the presidential election, we might be sitting here being like, oh man, dude, that market at the beginning of 2024 was so great. Yeah. <laughs> like, who knows? I don't know. No one knows. Like, yeah. You know, so that's why you also can't wait to find that house that you love. You can't wait to time the market. You're never going to time the market. Trying to time the market is like trying to, you know, I meet with people all the time and they're like, ah, but it's not perfect. I, I think the market's going to crash. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm like, that's like not buying a convertible because you think it's going to rain. Right. It's going to rain. Yeah. But not today. Yeah. So you might as well enjoy it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard the saying like, oh, if you're renting, you're throwing your money into a black pit. You get nothing. You're not building equity. It's such a waste of money. What is your POV on the whole buying versus renting situation? Yep. You know, you mentioned like people have to rent right yep. now in some cases, but like if someone has the ability to decide whether to buy or rent, what is your recommendation and why? If you have a down payment that you can spare and you can afford the monthly payment on something you could buy, you should buy. Yeah. You should start building that credit, build that equity. Take this with a grain of salt. He is a real estate broker. But here's what I'm saying, though. <laughs> Unless you have other uses for that potential down payment, mm -hmm. if you're just sitting on cash in the bank at the rate of inflation that we have today and it's not invested, yeah. it's not sitting in a treasury, like you're not doing anything yeah. with it, then then you should use it and you should buy something. Go get a good deal. There's so yeah. many good deals out there in every market now. Like You can actually negotiate. But- if you don't know if you want to buy, then you should rent, rent. Mm -hmm. Like just do not complain when you look back at on how much money you've spent on rent over the past couple of years and then say, oh, that was my down payment. And I just spent it on rent. And now I can't go buy that thing that I want because now I am ready because now I am about to get married and yeah. I don't want to rent for it. And shit, we got to go get a three bed. How much is a three bedroom in Soho? You want to come rent something? The average is $10,000 per month per bedroom. Woo! Per bedroom, okay? Per bedroom. Brutal. So things aren't getting exponentially cheaper. The world is only getting more expensive. Yeah. Every single day. Do you have a hot tip for renters like who are listening to this and they're looking on Zillow and Redfin and Street Easy and they're like, there's so much to look at. Like what what do you look for if you were to rent an apartment? Um, well, I look for like I, one, the quality of the landlord is always important. Yeah. Even if you're paying a little bit more money, that quality of that landlord, somebody that, you know, someone who potentially hopefully has a website. Yeah. 
that's the quality you're going to get from somebody that has Oof. a reputation. Uphold. I could have used this information earlier in my 20s because I moved into a roach infested yeah. walk up and like the landlord was like a yeah. guy. Yeah, exactly. And they don't, and it's not even just the roaches, right? It's the, hey, my plumbing doesn't work. Yeah. And no one picks up the phone. Right. It's like my microwave doesn't work. No one picks up the phone. But the minute you don't pay your rent, they're going to collections, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so you don't want that. So I would always pay a little bit more money to have a landlord that is a known entity. Yeah. And remember, there are programs out there now. Like a really, really good friend of mine, his name is Anker Jane. He oh started, my God, I love it. He was just on this podcast. Yeah, so he started Built, right? Yeah. And so outside of getting rewards on rent, one of the bigger missions for Built is a pathway to home ownership. Yeah. So eventually it's like, okay, how do you get those points towards like cash back towards an eventual down mm -hmm. payment? Now, like- are you going to get a hundred grand in cash back to put down 10% on a million dollar house? You got to pay a lot of rent yeah. to do that. But at least it's something, yeah. right? At least it's something. And you feel like, okay, I'm actually building up to get somewhere that way. But I am a, I'm a complete, we do a lot of rentals. We do rentals all day long. We rent out entire buildings. We do full lease ups everywhere. And I appreciate that rent is flexible. Yeah. That you can move at any time. At the end of the day, what, what's your risk? Your risk is a one-month security deposit in yeah. most instances, yeah. right? Really. It was two when I moved out of the cockroach apartment, but yeah. it's brutal. So sometimes, right, that's that's worth the price of freedom. Yeah. If you just want to be free, if you want to be able to bounce on a moment's notice, you know, all things considered, you do have a lease. Um, if you want to be able to not be locked into something because you have no idea what's going on with your job or mm -hmm. life or that girl that might want you to move to LA, like, yeah. <laughs> then yeah, you should rent. Do not be stressed to purchase. But if I look at the way that wealth is created in the United States and internationally, but let's just say the United States, for the last 350 years, it's through real estate ownership. Yeah. Whether it's a condo, a co-op, a small multifamily building or a piece of land. Yeah. Like it, it just is what it is. They're not making more land. It was like the bastion of the middle class yeah. back in the day. And now we're like, oh shoot, like can any of us? Well, afford? remember there is like, it's also not lost on me, you know, the way that we've all been educated into thinking that we need everything all the time, whether it's you need to eat breakfast because Kellogg lobbied for us to believe that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And like sugary cereal is sure. not in fact good for you. Right, exactly. Um, it's also not lost on me that people buying homes then went to banks and banks were like, okay, how can we make more money on people who buy homes? Let's give them loans and then we'll sell those loans and then we'll resell those loans and resell, and then we'll sell them insurance and then we'll, we'll sell them different services. And wow, how much money can we make on one singular transaction? That's, that's also not lost on me. The American dream is a marketing scheme. Yeah. Like I, I understand that. <laughs> like, I'm not a lunatic. Like I totally get it. But I also have seen people completely change their lives with home ownership. Yeah. I've sold apartments to people for a million bucks and I've sold it for them for two. Like I've, I've watched people double their money and yeah. like be like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing I've ever done in my whole life. I've also seen people buy apartments for a lot of money and then have to sell them and lose a lot of money mm -hmm. too. So you have to understand the risk. Yeah. Mm. Speaking, you mentioned, you know, you might want to have flexibility with your rent because of a girl. Yeah. You ended up marrying the girl mm -hmm. and buying a beautiful home in Brooklyn and basically gutting out the entire place, yeah. which was a product that all of us followed on TV, but it seemed to take a really long time. Like, do you have any advice for people who are doing renovation? Never do it. Ever. Never. Ryan, that's not the advice we wanted. Um. <laughs> Listen, like I, well, actually the first apartment that I bought with Amelia, we bought a penthouse in Soho and I got renovated that too. I so paid. you love renovating. I don't. I just, 
I like things being perfect. And it wasn't mm. perfect. Okay. And I wanted to make it my own. Also, I see whatever, Adrian. Also, I see <laughs> I see real estate all day, every day. And so I also know what's good and I know what's sellable. Yeah. And so, you know, the penthouse apartment we bought in in Soho was like kind of funky. And I did the was classic- Was it like a loft? No, it's a condo. It's kind of a condo loft. Like the elevator opens up into yeah, the yeah, full yeah. floor apartment kind of thing. Three bedroom plus home office, great yeah. apartment. I paid 3.7. It was the first apartment I ever bought. And um, I gutted it because at first I was just going to do the kitchen and one bathroom. But then when you do that, then you're like, I might as well do the second. Okay, I'm going to do the third bathroom. Yeah. Actually, now I got to move the laundry. Fuck it. Rip up the floors. Take the ceiling <laughs> down. We are gutting this thing. <laughs> And doing it fast. And then when I bought the townhouse later on, um, you know, it's this big house. It's 8,000 square feet. And I had a budget in my head and a time in my head that it was going to take to do it. And I was like, all right, we're just going to combine. It was a two-family house. I'm going to make it a single family. Redo the kitchen in the primary floor. Yeah. Um, oh, so it wasn't a plan to redo the whole thing? No. Never. No. Because that's <laughs> what happens, okay? That's what happens. That's where they get you. Because then once you do that... Then you're like, oh, well, now it's a single family. So now per code, we need to have a full sprinkler system through the house. I'm like, shit, that's right. What does that mean? Well, all the ceilings in the whole house have to come down in order to run a sprinkler. I'm like, okay, got it. Which means all the moldings have to come down. Okay, Okay. got it. Which means now we have to redo all insulation. Okay, got it. All right, well, I also want to put an elevator in this house. Great. The cost of an elevator is 250,000. Okay, let me budget that. Yep, to do an elevator in your house is 250. But that's just the elevator. What you don't factor in is the fact that now the whole entire house has to be restructurally supported to handle the elevator. And the entire shaft now has to be fireproofed. So all in the steel, plus now I have to rip up all the floors. I had to bring in 26 steel beams into that damn house for investment value. If I have a six story house that's 8,000 square feet, I can't resell it if it doesn't have an elevator. And I use the shit out of that elevator. It's all like luggage, like six flights of stairs. That's really, really fair. You know, cleaning products, all that stuff. And so, um, uh, and for the investment value of it. So that elevator was like a million dollars, you know, all in. And so that house took me, the budget went from being 1x to 4x. And the time went from being one year to get that house done to being four years. So Wait, so you bought this home and didn't move in for four years? Bought it in 2018. We moved in uh, fully, fully, fully in the summer of 2022. Yeah, yeah, good luck with your home right (laughs) out. Right, go watch all the HGTV that you want, right? Maybe if I was in Lubbock, Texas, okay, where I can flip a house in 32 days, it's a little bit different, but in New York City, yeah. it's a process. You spend a year in planning and design and permitting. Yeah, like going to the Department of Buildings here is a uh, it's a process. Yeah, yeah. So it was a it was a process, but it's great now. Okay, we love the new place now. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you had a very wild renovation experience. Would you say that for most people, you would recommend instead of like gut renovating, like going with a designer or just like not getting a cookie cutter, but like having a little bit of a template. I, I, listen, my experience was unique. Plus we also filmed it for a TV show and it like was a whole thing. Um, And I think I'm just a lunatic. I I would say if you have a great deal, then you should gut renovate your house. Like a classic estate sale is what everyone looks for. It's it's what they used to look for. The cost of construction post COVID is, has really, really gone through the roof. You know, like if you're going to do a normal renovation in New York city right now, it's going to cost you a thousand dollars a square foot baseline. So you have a 2,000 square foot apartment. That's like a two bedroom with a den. It's going to cost you $2 million to renovate. Okay. So, uh, and that is your baseline. That's what you got to budget for. Yeah. New York is expensive. And so, um, you know, you have to just factor in, does the math make sense? So so you'll do the renovation budget in your head 
and then add on your base cost plus the financing cost, plus the carry over the term of the renovation, does that all-in cost comp out for what the fully finished house is worth on the market today? Like, will someone else pay for those renovations? Yeah, like if you buy something for a million dollars and you put a million into it- Does that house sell for $50,000 of expenses. Okay. Yeah, could you sell it for two and a quarter Mm. and get out and break even? If, If you absolutely can't, then you just have to know you're doing this renovation for yourself. Yeah. Right? If you think it would be a stretch- but it'll be close, then by the time you're fully done, you know, inflation, like everything <laughs> is worth more, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's brutal. But I think value add is an amazing thing. Like I, I, I complain about it, but I, I do love coming into my house because it is the perfect house now. Yeah. And like, I do enjoy picking finishes and like really making mm-hmm. something your own, but it is not for the faint of heart no. or the weak of wallet. That is a brutal story for a more regular person. If they're looking to buy a home, what are just like three hot tips? I think you mentioned one being estate sales. Can you tell us a little bit about that, about that and then anything else you've got? But before we get into that, I want to take a quick second to talk a little about food. And if we're being honest, I am no Gordon Ramsay. I am not a chef at home. I'm not a great cook. But with HelloFresh, I get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to my doorstep. And I get to skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking really easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Basically, I made a New Year's resolution to save money, eat better, and stress less. And HelloFresh is there to help me do just that. You can say hello to the most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price you'll like delivered right to your door. Not only does that help me save time, but it also helps me save money. These quick, convenient recipes are delivered right to you. You just choose your meals and select your delivery date, and then HelloFresh handles the meal planning and the shopping. So all you have to do is open your weekly box of pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes to get cooking. I personally am a huge fan of the Korean bibimbap and my fiance prefers a nice burger with a little bit of baked potatoes on the side. But with HelloFresh, both of us can get exactly what we want. We just have to alternate who decides what we're eating. I'm also obsessed with the fact that HelloFresh is giving all subscribers free breakfast. And that means you'll enjoy a totally free breakfast item with every single HelloFresh delivery that is totally worth waking up early for. Go to HelloFresh.com slash rich BFF free and use code RICHBFFFREE for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash RICHBFFFREE with code RICHBFFFREE. Yeah, so estate sales are the term you give to a home that is being sold by the estate of someone who's passed away. Mm-hmm. So it's the kids, the siblings, the so estate So we're getting attorney. a home from a dead guy. Yeah, people die all the time. Yeah. They die every day. Okay, that's fine. That's and they cool. haven't renovated their houses, right? Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, they don't, you know, what do you think? What do you think? They don't blow up the house, yeah. right? And then the family's like, I don't want to move in here. Grandpa didn't renovate this house. For, it's been the same way since 1952. What are we going to do with it? You sell it. And you sell it at a discount because yeah. it needs a full gut renovation. That's a gem, you know? We, people yeah. look for that. Good we, bones, We work good with bones. agents always. Uh, there's agents here, all they do is estate sales. You know, there's there's renovators. There's, you know, Lee Stahl of the renovated home. His, like, specialty is helping people find estate sales and making them their own. And that's really where you can find those those good bones. Not dead people bones, but, like, dead, yeah. you know, property bones. Cool. Those. <laughs> also trying to find value add. Like, it's... You know, if are you finding something that has a low bedroom count but a large square footage so mm. that maybe the living room is actually way too big? Because remember, people buy per foot, 
or they'll pay per acre. But in their brain, they're also they don't shop that way. They shop based on the number of bedrooms they need. Right. So you're also thinking about okay, what's the price per bedroom? So there's a lot of houses that might be tough to sell because they're 3,000 square feet and two bedrooms right. because that's the way the current owners use it. Maybe it's beautiful and it's great, but you might be able to chop that up and turn it into five beds. So right. when you go to sell it, you have a 3,000 square foot house across five bedrooms and you did a finished basement, that's that's a real value add that someone will pay exponentially more for because by the time you go to sell it, Someone isn't comping to the square footage. They're comping to the rooms. what other five bedrooms can I get in this price range? And you might be an amazing deal. So like my townhouse, I made sure I had as many bedrooms as I possibly could. And we have eight bedrooms mm. in a townhouse in Brooklyn so that when I go to sell it, whenever that might be, I want somebody who needs a big bedroom count. That is over the drop-down menu. Yeah. You can't search for eight bedrooms. Right. Right? You can search for five plus. Yeah. So I like, I mean, I'm deep in that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so smart. Are there any other like secret hacks we need to know about? You want to increase bedroom count. You want to make sure that so you're buying- So estate sales, increasing the bedroom count you if you're going to do anything. Yep. You always want to focus on light and air. Light? light wait, explain light and Light and air. So if you're buying an apartment, just because it's a good deal doesn't mean you should still buy the apartment facing a wall, mm. right? Okay. It's a good deal for a reason. Sometimes things are cheap for a reason. Okay. So don't get too excited about a great deal. It's like the same thing with anything. Like, yeah, you can go get that knockoff phone, but it's <laughs> the cheap. Pair? It's cheap for a reason. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay, just like with rent, it's okay to pay a little bit more to get something of like real quality. I would also say to look on the fringe of locations. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you go to Tribeca, New York City now, there's like a penthouse that's selling today for $50 million. Yeah. 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. 40 years ago, you wouldn't even go to Tribeca. It was dicey. Always. So what neighborhood are you looking in where I know you want to be on that block, but maybe you could be on the fringe of the block. Maybe you can be on the other side of town because eventually gentrification always comes into play. The real mm. estate market will always expand, always. And so where can you be where you can ride that wave? I, I've done that with every purchase I've ever made and it works out every single time. Mm. That is great advice, especially, and I feel good about myself because we bought on the fringe yeah. of a neighborhood that we're hoping will just become Soho. Would you buy Noka? I Nolita, that Nolita. roughly, yeah. Well, Nolita, you're fine. Yeah, Nolita's well, awesome. In fairness, I feel like we're a little souther of Nolita. So you're like Chinatown Nolita? We're like, Are you like a little Italy. Yeah, okay. Nolita, Got it. yeah, Got it. yeah. Got it. Like not Nolita. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually not even in New York. Actually, I can see Nolita from my Actually, house. we're in Jersey City. Yeah, um, exactly. But I do want to take a quick pivot to stop talking about houses and actually talk about Sirhant. Not oh. your last name, oh. but the company you've built. Yeah. I mean, it is, I wouldn't say it's particularly difficult to become a real estate broker, right? Mm. Like so many people do it. You have to pass some licensing exams. You get a couple reps under your belt. You can park your license at somebody else's shop. Sure. I can't think of anybody else who's actually started their own firm. Yeah, yeah not recently. Yeah, no. Um, they have in the past, you know, like Barbara Corcoran started right. Corcoran, Corcoran like, a long time ago. Yeah, like Douglas and Elliman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're not here anymore. Yeah, um, that, was a, that was a minute ago. But yeah. like, how Listen, was that? This is my version of 
doing what you're listen what you're yeah. doing right you started with one video one video and then you rode that for a little while and then you're like you know what i feel comfortable enough i'm going to leave my job um, <laughs> and i'm going to go do this now for a long yeah. time so for me like i started with one rental yeah. that then turned into one sale that then turned into one building that then turned into a tv show that then turned into uh, one two three spin-off shows that yeah. then turned into one two three books this is yeah. book number three and I've brand always brand it like certain yeah, hands. Not I've even sell been, it. Sell like certain hands book one. Um, I've always been somebody who's wanted more and wanted to like push the boundaries of what's possible and, yeah. and take swings, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. Like uh, let's take a swing. All right. I I built a sales team of 65 people, right? We did a billion and a half in sales a year. So great. What next? Yeah. Let's go start our own thing. Let's try to shake up an industry. Let's be disruptive for good. Let's let's do things the way I want to do them and let's build real enterprise value and real equity. Mm. If I if it works, it'll be great. great. If it doesn't work, I'm fucked. <laughs> but I'll figure Did it out. Did you actually think that or were you like, oh, I can always just go back somewhere else? I mean, I can, but it comes down to that like yeah. when you're public, you know, it when hurts things your are good. Ego a little bit. Yeah. Like I there's listen, you know, Adrian and I have talked about it a long time ago. Like the only way to really take a swing at something is to cut the net, right? Burn yeah. your boats. That's it. You got to No parachute. Swim. You got to swim. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't jump out of the plane with no parachute. Yeah. But like, <laughs> you know, I understand that, you know, we we have to swim. We're going to figure it out. We're going to have good markets. We're going to have bad markets. We're going to have good years. We're going to have bad years. Mm -hmm. But as long as we stay true to the mission and just keep building. I mean, this is a real estate company built through content. You know, yeah. we are a content to commerce real estate firm. I mean, it's, it's, you know, crazy. I love that. Okay, we're moving into the lightning round. Oh. Um, these are all fun, spicy questions. Don't think too hard, but just give me your best answer. Sure. Okay. What is the biggest commission check you ever made? Single commission check from single, a single just sale. Just one. Because we sell entire buildings and then they get paid that out doesn't of count. time. Yeah. Just one. Uh, $3 million. Wow. Oh my God. How much of that did you get to keep? I own the company. It's $3 million. Oh, sick. Okay, so you did that relatively recently. Yeah, I sold a, I sold a house for $134 million. Wow. That's some like FU money. That's impressive. That's like crazy. Do you know what my overhead is? It is not that FU. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I oh. need all the sales <laughs> possible. Okay. I take that and I'm like, thank you so much for investing in my business. Goodbye. I'm going to sell the next one right now. Um, if you weren't a real estate agent, what would you do for a living? <laughs> Don't say hand model. Don't say hand model. Make TikTok videos with you. I'd be your Wall Street boy. Boy? Boy. Yeah. Exactly. That. That's Love what it. I would do. Where would you live if not New York City? Uh, my wife loves London, so we would probably live in London. Okay. Love that. Yeah. What are you most proud of your biggest success? Um, my daughter's awesome. So I am Aww, most proud of, of Zena. She's Zena. four. She's hilarious. She's super smart. And so, you know, I have a big part in her life. You know, I'm, she's half of me. And I guess also, I, would, I, would, I don't want to say the company. I would say the people yeah. at the company. Like really honestly. You guys, the producers are currently in the room like laughing. It, no. Oh, no, not the producers. Um, what I would say is <laughs> the uh, uh, like the agents that are here, like we've been a company now for like three years and one day. And there are people that took a big risk on me year yeah. one, like junior agents, people that came over who yeah. are like, are, did you, are you starting your own company in a pandemic? Really? Okay. If I join you, you screwed this up. Like this could really suck for all of us. I'm like, yeah, you want to do it? Let's do it. And now those agents are- you know, multi-million dollar producers with yeah. huge teams. Yeah. They're 
selling through content, doing virtual deals in Africa. Like they've, they've really taken the resources that I created in my brain and turned them into real business that has completely changed their lives and their lifestyles. And, and, you know, I see that and it's just, I don't know, it makes me really, really proud and, and really, really cool to see. Cool. What would you say to Zena if she got a little bit older and she said she wanted to get into real estate? Um, I would say let's go. Yeah, oh, okay. let's let's cool. go. Why not? Yeah, whatever yeah. she wants to do. She really, really wants to do it. You know, she can. Although I feel like she's gonna be one of those kids who like comes to dad's work and then by the time she's ready to get a job, she's gonna be sick of it. She's gonna be like, she, I don't wanna do this. Yeah, she's gonna be like, dude, I don't wanna work seven days a week. You're stuck. Your phone has a strap on it, so you never have to let go of it. I don't want to do that, Dad. You know, like I, I am a product of my environment, and I don't think Zena's really going to want to do that. But we'll see. If she wants to do it, I think she could crush it. She might turn out like fifty percent of people under the age of eighteen right now, and their number one job is YouTuber. Yeah, listen, she could be. I, I don't know. You know, I named her Zena. Yeah. Right? Maybe she could like just, a warrior. Yeah, but like you know, what's Zendaya's last name? Right. That's right. I'm assuming it exists. Yeah, (laughs) right. Right? Xena will just go by Xena. Okay, cool. I like that. And very last question. What is the most important personal branding lesson that you want everybody at home to know? Consistency. You know, we, if I think about personal branding, I think about like really three pillars, okay? And it's funny you bring that up because I just wrote a book on it. Yeah. And it comes out February 6th. So you should go to branditlikesirhan.com. I think about really developing a core identity that's authentic to you. Yeah all the warts and all the negativity and everything, right? What is core to you? Because your core identity, if you believe it to your core, Mm -hmm. you step out into the world and you use your voice, use your face, you make content, you go to events, you go to dinners. That now is the world's perception of you. And then you go home. Now that perception the world has of you becomes your reputation, right? People talk about you behind your back and they do that over and over and over and over and over again. And then when people talk about you without using your name, that is then your brand, right? Mm. She's that super high energy girl that was on Wall Street that then got into content. Mm. And I know her through TikTok. Okay, now that's like your brand brand. being spoken about through other people. Yeah, I totally, I'll buy her book, right? Rich AF, I'll buy that because I love seeing her. That's your brand at work. So what is that core identity and really, really owning it? So like part of my core identity was, okay, I'm young and I have a full head of gray hair. (laughs) I will own that. Ryan really won't let that go on this episode. No, it's not this episode. It's just like you talk about brand. So, you know, how do people know you? Yeah. Right? What what is it? Adrian wears a stupid hat all the time. Oh my. Just kidding. It's not stupid. This entire afternoon has just been bully Adrian. I do that a lot. Honestly, if I didn't care about him, I wouldn't talk about it. There's plenty of people here I don't give a shit about. I don't talk about them. I don't make fun of them at all. Brutal. Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, uh, So what is that core identity? Really, really owning it. Then creating consistent content. And it doesn't have to be on camera like what you do and what I do, right? Maybe your thing is thought leadership. Maybe it's LinkedIn. Maybe it's AI-generated blog posts that you build into a personal website that you then run SEO against to drive people to your website because you think people are coming to you to find places for brunch, but then you're selling them crochet kits, whatever your thing might be. But staying really consistent and not paying attention to views, Mm. right? Staying consistent, consistent, consistent. You know, like we, a friend of mine is Mark Manson. He wrote a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I sold his penthouse for a lot of money in Tribeca. That guy sells a lot of books. And he made blog posts forever. You just write everything. And then one day he wrote a blog post called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And it took off. And he was like, found it, figured it out. Yeah. Book, life changed. And then third pillar is shout it from a mountaintop, meaning really amplify all successes. So if you have a video that goes 
fire, you amplify that. You you latch onto it. What was that topic? It was GameStop. Mm-hmm. 40 videos a day, right? <laughs> you latch onto it. It's working. Yeah. So don't reinvent the wheel tomorrow. Latch onto what's working until it stops working. Yeah. Right? Hire a publicist as one of your first employees yeah. that you're going to use. Get out there. Get in local newspapers. Be that thought leader that when people think of that thing you want to be thought of, they're also associating you, right? That's associated yeah. marketing. Do collaborations. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Right? Get out there and be seen. And that's what I want people to think about when they think about building a personal brand. There's a lot more that we go into in the book and everything else that we do. But I think anybody can build a brand today and anybody can sell any anything if you put your mind to it. I love that so much. And obviously we have Brand It Like Sir Hant coming out what day? February 6th. February 6th. Yes. You can get this anywhere books are sold. You can get it at branditlikesirhant.com. Amazon. Just go get it. Yeah. Just go get, get it. it. Pre-order it. Go. But Ryan, tell us where everybody else can find you otherwise aside from the book. At Ryan Sirhant at all places. At all places. And if you want to buy, sell, or rent a home, go to <laughs> sirhant.com. <laughs> Had to plug that. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Net Worth and Chill. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a rating and a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Got a financial question you want answered in the future? You can leave me a voicemail or text me at 908-858-3410. Make sure to follow me at Your Rich BFF across social media for even more relatable financial content. Special thanks to my team at Audioboom as well as Range Media and WME. See you next week. Bye.